0: Welcome to Law of Attraction in Action. Thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast where I help you be inspired by these amazing people who I get to interview who share their gifts and share their passion of Law of Attraction and how it's changed their life. So today's guest is... Naeem Hassan, and he is an Olympic athlete, professional photographer, speaker, coach, and co-founder of Horizon Sports, where he's helped coach over 25 athletes to national championships. He's also started his own podcast where he offers words of inspiration called The Olympic Mindset for Life and Business. Welcome, welcome, Naeem. Thank you so much for being on my podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity.
0: Awesome. And you know, I just before we get started, I just want you to share um, your starting your podcast. I just think it's a neat little story about how you were um, law of attraction and me helped you start your own podcast. Can you share that story real quick?
1: Absolutely. So a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my nephew. And it was prompted by a conference that I attended with my older son. It was a world domination conference here in Portland. And so I left there inspired to take these ideas and put them into a podcast format. But I had no experience whatsoever in how to do that. And so then my wife came home with this business card and it was a Michelle Joy. And so just curious, I go onto the website and I'm looking and listening to the podcast, and then lo and behold, the uh, service that was being uh, hosting was Anchor. And I researched Anchor and found out that, oh my goodness, this provides me with an opportunity to launch a podcast without having a ton of background, and it walked me through the entire process. And it turns out to be a conversation that you had with my wife in the gym. And so thank you very much. And uh, it was an opportunity again to fully understand one more time how this law of attraction has worked in my life, particularly as it relates to just ideas and things that I've always wanted to do and put them out into the universe and being truly committed and passionate about those ideas. And just uh, it's been amazing over the years watching how all of the pieces uh, to the puzzle just come together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, isn't it amazing? It's it's just like you just ask and it shall be given, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so tell me a bit about your journey as far as um, how long have you used this way of thinking, and how has it changed your life? What what how have you come into this way of living?
1: Well, it's I think it started years ago, just. You know, growing up in in a big family with not lots of resources, and one of the things that I learned to do a long time ago is pray. I mean, that's, you know, there's this universal power out there, and and no one else seems to be able to answer and provide the assistance. So I, I got really good at praying, honestly. And over the years, realized that most everything that I was really intent on bringing into my life manifested in these mysterious kind of ways and so just over the years realizing that you know there's something magical about this prayer thing not being a super religious person but certainly understanding the power of the universe and this this concept we call god and how it's been working in our lives and all those kind of things and so i just developed this appreciation and trust in that power and then years later, I read a book by a guy named Michael Beckwith, and he's talking about this concept called the law of attraction and realizing that those principles, whatever term you use, I've uh, been manifesting in my life from, from a kid, you know, going through high school and to college and, and meeting uh, several people along my path that have offered encouragement and words and uh, guidance. That has made a huge difference in most everything that I've been fortunate enough to accomplish.
0: And you've accomplished some amazing things. I mean, the fact that you were in the Olympics—that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, that was. Um, It didn't start off that way. When I think about the Olympics, uh, my sport, particularly taekwondo, was not even an Olympic sport back when I was in high school. I was having a conversation with some young people here a few weeks ago. I was speaking in Eugene, and one of the slides I put up. Was when I was fifteen, and I had a list of companies and and services that didn't exist when I was fifteen years old. Right, Starbucks and Google and the internet and smartphones—all of that, none of that stuff existed. And so um, when I sat and talked about that, those concepts, my sport was not even an Olympic sport. It particularly really didn't exist in this country. It was a Korean-based martial arts migrated. In the in the late oh I say maybe late mid to late seventies, and I didn't get introduced until uh, my junior and senior year in high school, just to martial arts in general. But it wasn't after it wasn't until after I graduated from high school that I was introduced to this particular uh, form of martial arts. But it wasn't until um, sometime in 1984 when there was some discussion about my sport being in the Olympics. We thought it was going to be in the, in the 84 Olympics. Turns out that. Uh, there's a procedure by which you introduce new sports, but turned out in 1988 it was because it was a Korean sport, and that's where uh, the Olympics happened to be that year. And so mm-hmm. host countries have an opportunity to introduce demonstration sports into the Olympics, and that's what taekwondo was um, in '88—a demonstration sport. And since it's become part of the Olympic uh, cast of sports. Uh,
0: and what was your draw to that when you were young? Did you feel something really strong in you like I really really want to make something of this? I mean, to be in the Olympics is obviously you took it very very seriously, but did you have this dream or this belief that it would you would someday end up in the Olympics or what was that thought process?
1: No, no, I didn't. As again, there was there was never a clear path growing up to um, the Olympics. I was an athlete, ran track and played football and all the things that, that we do. But I think back to the whole conversation about being an Olympic athlete was not even part of the discussion. And so when I heard about uh, my sport being in the Olympics, which started around 1984, so there was a couple of years in there that I didn't compete. And I remember being at Portland State watching a competition In November, I think it was November 12th, 1983, I'm watching this tournament. And then on the the next day, the 13th, I decided that, you know, I want to start training for the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles, because at that point they were talking about possibly having uh, our sport as an Olympic sport. That was the beginning of that whole idea about making the U.S. team and making an Olympic team or what have you. Mm -hmm. And I went through a process of doing some extensive research. On other athletes, and it's uh, so when I really, I think, got intentional about this whole process of visualization and mm. putting out to the universe those dreams and goals that you really want to manifest in your life. And so, I remember writing a script about my competition, and I read this script every day for the six months leading up to uh, my competition. And do
0: you remember what the script is? Yeah,
1: it, it was a script about. My match, my final match, uh, of who it was I was going to have to compete against or actually win to make the U.S. team in 1984. And that was the first year I made the team. But when I went through that process every single day, like I said, I researched who the prior national champion was, all his statistics, his his height, his weight, his strong techniques, and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I figured if I was going to win, I'd have to fight this particular individual. Uh-huh. And uh, that that began this process, I think, of this whole idea called Law of Attraction, which I didn't understand at the time, right. but uh, reading and integrating this whole philosophy of visualization into a process. And once that was done, I was totally convinced that there is something magic about this visualization process. I couldn't quite understand it, but I've spent the rest of my time since then, really trying to understand more about that process, how the mind works, visualiz- visualization, and the law of attraction, all these powerful forces, how they influence every aspect of our life if we are committed to doing what we say we want to do.
0: Yeah. And you've done some amazing things. Not only are you an Olympic athlete, but you also an entrepreneur and have your own photography company. You do speaking. You do some really amazing things. And so... Is that some like, so again, I think the gift of that experience for you being so many years ago and so young is you, you early on realized the power that you have within yourself to make these things happen. And is that really, I mean, it seems to have served you because you're doing some amazing things, but is that always kind of the, 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 in your mind on anything is possible?
1: Yes. Um, it was, I got introduced during that same time period to a couple of books. One of the books, uh, one of the first books, and it was like a powerful book for me. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big. And that was introduced back, uh, I want to say back in 1982, 83 timeframe, a long time ago. But that book tra- changed my life because I was introduced to a concept about goals and dreams and thinking bigger and, and trusting in powers bigger than yourself. And that's what I think was the seed that was planted leading up to the 84 Olympics. Uh, not 84 Olympics, but up to the 84 national championships. Because now I'm thinking about, I think I could win this thing. Even though I hadn't competed for a couple of years, I think I could do this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's those ideas from that book uh, changed my life. And I have since purchased several copies. I have a stack here in my office. And I give them to people now because it's been such a powerful tool it's an old book but i think the principles in that book are uh, there's no no expiration date mm-hmm. so to speak yeah and uh they're very powerful
0: nice and yeah I, I think i think i've read that or at least i have it's been a long time ago so i need to reread that so thank you for that reminder and that's how i think of think and grow rich i mean it was written in 1937 and it, to me it's like so much. It inspires me all the time when I read it. So, mm-hmm. um, it's good that you, thank you for sharing that. Um, and as far as, um, you doing this podcast, cause you love to inspire the world with your words as well. And, um, I love that you are sharing your wisdom and, and is there any other type of wisdom that you have to share as far as mindset and achieving your goals?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I've been doing for a lot of years is you know I'm driving down the street, for example, and I I get this flood of ideas or thoughts. And so I used to think that I could stop and uh, record or write these things down, but they were coming way too fast. So I started recording uh, these ideas and I've been doing that probably the last 10 years or so. And so I have this collection of over 600 of these little mini recordings or insights or reflections or whatever you want to call them. And so that's what prompted me when this concept called podcasting came onto the scene here a few years ago, I really started thinking about that. Uh, You know, I'd like to be able to take these ideas and put them out there. But really what prompted it this year, it was in January of this year, I was reflecting back on my grandkids, excuse me, and thinking about, you know, there's a whole lot of messages out there and I just want to make sure that they at least have, um, something that Papa has, you know, contributed to their life that they can reflect on and hold on to. And that's one of the things that prompted me to look in doing a podcast Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh, launching my Instagram page really just to get some of these ideas out there and preserve them in a different kind of way.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've heard quite a few of them and they really are inspirational. And I love just how authentic you are. And you really, I mean, when I have met you a couple of times, you just have this loveliness, to you you're just so open and warm I love it um are you um planning on uh you so you do the photography and I mean do you do the speaking on this stuff too is that something you're wanting to inspire people with that
1: yeah so I've been doing this this kind of thing uh, for a number of years you know as a former Olympic athlete I was invited to come and speak to, to schools and other teams and we had our organization that I mentioned I was involved with Horizon Sports and working with athletes who aspired to be you know, national champion level and U.S. team members and so forth. And so a lot of the time was spent um, providing that kind of insight we had. There was two of us, Bob May, my other partner. He focused more on the physical side of things. Uh, and we had another gentleman named Steve Buckinstable. He was also on, more on the physical side, but my interest was more on the mental side of things. So mm. that's been my research, just really focusing, again, on thought processes and attitudes and beliefs and how those, those stories we manufacture influence our what we call stress responses and, and then how those responses influence whether we move or don't move mm. and what we get out of Uh, choosing not to move when we're feeling a little overwhelmed and realizing that there's this sense of relief that we get immediately when we choose not to do the things that we decided that we were going to do, but maybe feel a little uncomfortable doing. Mm -hmm. And I noticed this pattern just manifesting itself in a variety of ways, big and small, and wanted to just think more about how do we recognize the difference between those sensations in our bodies that influence this sense of peace when I choose not to and being able to work through that discomfort called stress or whatever and what it feels like when you push through those moments and what happens on the other side of that.
0: Yes, it's when we get past fear we open up to love and there's a peace when we get pushed through it, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I've had so many situations over the years in my training where you know I, I'd come home from work and, on days and not feel like training and, and push myself to get moving anyway because competition's coming up and my, my other competitors, I believe, were out there working just as hard. And what I found is that on those days that I didn't feel like it, I had some of my most amazing performances in terms of training ever. And so then I started to realize that that story called I Don't Feel Like It is like the boogeyman. You know,
0: uh-huh. it's a,
1: it, it induces a real physiological refo- response, but the story is just an imaginary story. It's like going to the movies and watching a scary movie and then being afraid to go out to your car, right? Yeah. Thinking that you're gonna be attacked by the monster from the movie. Yeah, Not, not real.
0: And yeah. so yeah. I've
1: developed a, a process over the years just really thinking through that and sharing that with people, because I know for a fact that if we can overcome just that piece alone, our lives take on a whole different meaning and we engage in a completely different process. Absolutely. Just yeah. working through that, I don't feel like it story.
0: And what is a process? Do you have one you can share with um, my listeners?
1: Well, the process is one, just becoming aware of the fact that, you know, like the boogeyman, we've all had boogeyman stories and how the fear of this creature or whatever might do something to us, and it modifies our behavior. We don't go in the basement late at night because we fear that the boogeyman might get us, or we don't go in the closet, we don't look under our bed or whatever. But recognizing that those things are not real, even though we may have a what we call a real physical sensation in our body, it's just cre- creating a sense of awareness that that sensation is natural. Fear is natural. This res- this thing we call a stress response is Natural, but recognizing what it is. And stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just re- recognizing that the sensations that we have in our body serve us uh, very well, if we understand. Because that energy that we feel, that anxiety that we feel could be just like putting the foot on the gas pedal, rubbing the engine up just before the start of a, of a race. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how that could be serving us. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, being able to recognize for ourselves those feelings in our body and what story we tell ourselves when those feelings show up. Is this a bad thing that I'm supposed to avoid or is this just something that says, okay, this is just one of those situations that's letting me know, putting me on a high alert so that I can move forward and all the resources, energy I need is there available. To help me accomplish what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it's more about, from my perspective, having that conversation with people to help them begin to know and understand and pay attention when they're having that sensation and being able to move through their life process in spite of.
0: Yes, yes. You know, I just had an experience um, where I was feeling, um, I went jet skiing with my partner. And um, I was kind of, not kind of, I was really scared. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? But when I got out and I pushed the throttle, it was so exhilarating. And I was, I, I kept screaming like out of joy because I'm like, I felt so alive. And that to me was an example of how we often hold, our ba- hold ourselves back because we're afraid. And I was afraid of pushing that throttle. But once I did, it was like, I felt more alive than I've ever felt. And it was such a good experience. And so I think you're right. I think people hold themselves, we all hold ourselves back based on fear, but it's just going, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I love, love that you teach that. And you've obviously pushed past a lot of fears to do all the things you do in your life.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing about fear is it doesn't just go away. You just you begin to recognize, uh, at least I have over the years, you recognize that the things that we fear are really the, the undesired consequences that we're trying to work so diligently to avoid showing up in our life. Right. And so we might procrastinate, put things off, because if I make a choice, that means that what I don't want might show up sooner than I want it to show up. So why not just wait on making a decision? We call that procrastination. But the the reality is time doesn't stop just because we don't choose. Mm -hmm. And whatever outcome is going to manifest is going to manifest because that's just time and that's just life. And so one of the things that I've come to know and begin to incorporate even more is, you know, saying yes to opportunity without the fear that, well, oh my God, what happens if something bad happens? Well, if something that I don't want to shows up, then it also stimulates in us this ability to be creative to do some problem solving. Mm-hmm. And once we work through whatever the issue is, we end up better for it. We call that experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we, it can be like consulting. So consultants are people who have been around other folks, I believe, that have had lots of experiences, good and bad. And you just develop a strategy on how to work through and overcome and, and figure out what resources you need and who to talk to and all those kind of things, like putting a puzzle together. And you just get better at researching and finding and putting those pieces together.
0: Right. Right. And the more you reach out there and try things, the more experience you have and the better you are to help people. And that's why I think a lot of us, like you and I, who've been through a lot and take risk, we're both risk takers being entrepreneurs in itself, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, But
0: just getting out there gives you that um, a little bit of fearlessness and um, to show people that it's okay on the other side. And I love that you said you're going to manifest it anyway. It's just however long time it wants to take. So the more we hide, the less likely that will manifest in a quicker period of time. And things that manifest quickly if we stop living in fear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, you know, there's a couple concepts that I, I talk about. It's called one we hear all the time about patience and consistency. And so I was thinking about these a, a few years ago and thinking about patience is not the issue. It's more about understanding that patience is a mindset, and it's about learning how to do patience so that we can be patient. Oh, I love it. What I I, would think about is managing that space between the ears, and it's really about managing the story, the stories we tell ourselves about how terrible it is or how it doesn't work or it can't be done and all those kinds of things, which make it extremely difficult for us to just be present and just allow time to move at its own pace. And we manufacture our own boogeyman stories, which makes it extremely difficult to be present, be by yourself, be wherever you need to be because time is going to move and there's nothing we can do to speed up time. But one of the things I've learned is just in this process of learning how to do patience is being very intentional about structuring a dialogue that allows me to just be with myself while time passes. Mm -hmm. And it's just like being the director of a movie. I gave this example to someone once. It's like being the director of a movie. You have these cast members, and not often do you allow cast members to just show up and improvise. Nobody gets to do that. Mm -hmm. You have a script. Every character has a script, and every scene there is a set of lines. And my thing is that for the scenes of our life, we begin to develop our own script in terms of how we're going to handle a situation. And there's a line that we say and repeat to ourselves. And it makes this process so much more manageable when we are intentional about developing the script for the different situations that come up, just like in movies, Mm -hmm. Uh, it gives us more control to manage this thing called time, which makes it easy to be present, be patient Otherwise, we will drive ourselves completely nuts if we're not disciplined enough in how we think through this process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, do you, uh, I know I'm a big meditator. Do you, What processes do you use to kind of get present and just calm in those times of waiting? What do you use? Well,
1: there's several. Uh, it depends on where I am. Um, I might be reading. So for me, reading is a form of meditation because I, I I've meditated before and that's, really it it triggered something there was this book i remember reading or a process i went through by michael brown called the presence process and it was like a 12-week program and we had these exercises done in a a group and we'd meet uh, once a week and we'd reflect but going through that process really helped me understand what meditation does mentally emotionally physically spiritually because i had studied stress management i was a certified stress management coach and i had a language. And then I meditated, and now the pieces came together. Then I understood better about the stress response, the relaxation response, and what happens hormonally when we go into this stress mode. It's like taking the foot off the gas pedal. The car goes into a nice, quiet idle. And it's that analogy I come to understand. Maybe that's when the endorphins kick in, and we start to feel that calmness and that peace. Then I start paying attention to other areas in my life where I was beginning to have those same sensations. And when I'm taking pictures, pictures taking for me is a form of meditation because I am totally present, totally involved, immersed. And I notice the feeling comes. When I'm out exercising or reading or playing with anything that allows my attention to come to a point, I found triggers that same hormonal, physical response that I had when I was just lying on the floor, just trying to calm myself, Mm -hmm. right? And so then I started to realize, well, meditation isn't something that you have to do just lying down. It could be done any place when you understand (sighs) what happens mentally and emotionally, physically. It's about bringing the attention to a point and all the other nonsense, chatter, whatever distractions just kind of fade away and the heart starts to slow down. the, The engine starts to go a little quiet. And again... I've just found many ways in which to induce that, which means that you can do it any anytime, any place, mm-hmm. which is the wonderful thing about
0: it. Yeah, and it's just being present. That's all it is. And I know when we're doing something we're in joy from, like just being like you doing photography and just being really present with that, that is what meditation does is it makes you present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. Well, Naeem, this has been an amazing conversation. And I I feel so grateful that you came on my program because you have so much to share and you've been through so much. And again, you are just such a lovely person. And I love that um, you are doing your podcast and you're sharing your wisdom with the world because you have so much. Thank you. Thank um, you very
1: much. I, r- I really appreciate that.
0: Good. And so I also want people to get in touch with you um, or learn more about your podcast or how to get in touch with you if they want to like use your photography or however. Um, can you give my listeners some information about how to get in touch with you?
1: Sure, absolutely. I have a website, it's Naima-san Photography, and that's N-A-I-M-H-A-S-A-N photography.com. I have a, a podcast at Olympic mindset. So if you're, uh, and that's all over That's on, that's on Spotify. Now it's on anchor. It's on Apple. It's, it's It's
0: everywhere at
1: Olympic. Yeah. It's everywhere. Olympic mindset. Um, yeah, those are, those are the ways in which to, or you can call me 503-421-7493. Send me a text. Uh, and we can connect.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Naeem. Thank you so much. And thank you all my listeners for listening in today on this podcast and being inspired by this wonderful man. And if you are also interested in being interviewed on my podcast, go to my website at michelle-joy.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-J-O-Y.com. And I would love to hear about your story and share your, your message with the world because the more we hear about how powerful our minds are, how powerful the universe is, the more we believe it in ourselves. So thank you for listening and happy manifesting.